0: All right, well, once again, uh, good morning, everyone, to those of you here at Clark Street and to those watching online, whether this morning or later on this week. My name's Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be speaking today from the book of Acts, from the New Testament of the Bible. But since we're on the theme of one big question, I have a question for you this morning. It's a question about a question. And the question is this. What question gets asked most By young children, and now I'm going to say adults as well, when you are on a trip, whether by car or plane or boat or train, what is the one big question that always gets asked? Did I give away the answer earlier? Like, that was like in unison. Everybody was like, are we there yet? Now, here's the thing. you got to have a certain tone in your voice. When you're asking that question. So, a couple people, how would you ask that question if you were on a trip? You can be honest. Are we there yet? So, there's a couple, like, if we're bored or if we're frustrated or tired, it's like, are we there yet? What's another way you could say, are we there yet? Go ahead, Micah. Ooh, I hope we could tape that one and just play it, and that would sum up for many of us. We have this one, too. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because some people are, like, excited and want to get there. So, we kind of have the board. We kind of have the excitement. And the last question is, how soon on a trip can those questions start coming? (laughs) The parents are all saying 30 seconds and five minutes. Thankfully, Aiden's like, 30 minutes, well done, Aiden, to get the 30 minutes. A lot of times, before you're even at the end of your street, <laughs> that question can get asked. Are we there yet? And of course, the answer depends on what type of trip you're on. So our family, sometimes we're driving to Toronto, and we try to do that in one day, so that's like at least a 15-hour drive. And so, when we're like a couple hours away, we're saying, we're almost there, we're close, because we've got 13 hours behind us. When we're going to Moncton, we don't dare say, which is only 90 minutes away, we're there until we're like a minute from our destination. Well, Jesus, I think, must have had some similar Reflections, responses, thoughts going through his head when he was faced with some of the questions the disciples, the apostles asked him. And so, as we pick up the story, if we have 11 apostles now as um, Judas passed away. And that's where we're going to pick up today's reading in Acts. And I'm going to be reading Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to start at verse 1, even though Mark covered this, but we just want to give some context. And we're going to read to verse 9. And I'm going to go with Mark's title from last week the continuing words and deeds of Jesus by the Holy Spirit through the apostles. How's that? John Stott would be very proud of us. All right, let's pick up uh, Acts chapter 1. And Luke writes this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, (laughs) here we go, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and of all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So the apostles were also into the one big question. They had one big question. Lord, verse 6, are we there yet? Is this the time? Is it going to happen now? We see in G- Jesus in verse 3, have been talking about the kingdom of God. And now the disciples were asking, are we there yet? Is the kingdom of God coming? So let's provide some background and context to this question. So we've got to understand some Jewish sort of culture and history Because the kingdom of God and what Jesus came and everything in the book of Acts and everything even to our day and time now, and we just sang about it in our first song this morning about build your kingdom here, it's all important and it's all connected. And Jesus takes the kingdom of God and the coming of the Holy Spirit brings them together. They're all connected. So remember, Jesus is God's Son, God in the flesh, we're going to celebrate Christmas in a couple of months. He came in his work on earth, and we see that as he came, he brought 12 around him, the 12 disciples or 12 apostles, to be with him. And we understand from Jewish history that's a really important number because in the Old Testament, we see there's 12 tribes of Israel. And Jesus, in his birth, and in his life, and in his teachings, he signaled that God has called him to come and renew and restore the people of Israel. And if we go through the Old Testament, all these promises and prophecies about this coming and taking place. That's why the disciples are asking, are we there yet? They had all that background and context to be excited and saying, the kingdom of God, is it going to be restored to Israel? Are we there yet? And as we saw from the book of Luke, if we read that, section one, we understand that Jesus is saying when he came, The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. So you need to use your imagination for a moment, okay? Can you imagine being one of these 11 apostles with Jesus and your whole life you've been brought up and taught about the kingdom of God is coming and when the Messiah comes, things are going to change. And you've been under Roman oppression, and you've seen all the injustices, and you've been under their authority, and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting, let alone 400 years for your culture and your people. And your expectations are Jesus the Messiah is here, and we're expecting victory. So you've got to understand the context and remember where we're picking things up in the book of Acts. What's just happened in the last few weeks? Your King, your Messiah, your Anointed One, that you were called three years ago. Can you imagine being called to be with Jesus? And can you imagine everything that's taken place in those three years? You've seen hands grow. You've seen water turned into wine. You've seen the dead raised. You've heard incredible teaching. And your faith and your excitement is building and building and building. This guy walked on water. This guy calmed a storm. Can you imagine? You've got to use your imagination here. You've got to put yourself into this. And now, your king, the one you're putting your hope into a few weeks earlier, died. And not only did he die, he was crucified. He was crushed. And all the hopes and dreams of thinking that in their perspective jesus is going to remove the romans he's going to bring back great power and prestige to israel to a geographical area he's going to remove oppression he's going to bring in the kingdom that they thought was coming and they thought it was going to be a kingdom of government you understand now why some of his disciples said, hey, Jesus, hey, can I have one of your top jobs in your government? <laughs> can I be at your right hand? Can I be at your left hand? Because they had in their mind government, territory, power, and they wanted to be with Jesus. And they thought God would restore Israel as the top nation, the Romans would be overturned, and they would rule the world. Can you get more of an understanding and appreciation of why they're saying, "Uh, Jesus, um, are we there yet? When is this going to happen? I'm trying to give you some context to understand. Why would they ask such a question? Because all those hopes and dreams were crushed when Jesus was persecuted, suffered, crucified. And that's why all the disciples fled. They were crushed but now put yourself in their shoes. A few weeks later, Jesus is alive, and you're kind of like, oh my soul, talk about your emotions being up and down. So now you're going like, are we back on track? And Jesus is alive, and as we've just seen, He's convinced them. He's given them proof that He's alive. Mark talked about it last week. He ate with them, yet He could still walk through walls. It's this incredible… No wonder they're confused. And now, Jesus is alive, their dreams are coming back, and they're asking Jesus, "Are we there yet?" And Jesus' answer is this: Jesus' answer is, "Yes?" and no." It's kind of "Yes and no." Doesn't that sound like a parent answering a child? "Yes," and no." Like everything else, the promise of the kingdom have been transformed through Jesus' death and resurrection. And now Jesus had to explain to them that just as he had said to them earlier in his teaching, if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it. Jesus is saying to them, those kingdom dreams that you had, you're going to have to lay those down because I've got a new definition of what that kingdom is. And like children in a car, we ourselves are going to have to wait. And as this is what we're so excited for the book of Acts As the book of acts unfolds we're going to see what jesus means however just as mark again so it's helpfully taught us last week we know enough from the first volume from the book of luke that we can kind of get an idea of where things are going god's kingdom that we were just singing about this morning his rule his life his authority is coming in and through the work of jesus but it's not about worldly power and greed It's not all those things that sometimes we think about. It's also not this. It's not just Jesus saying, hey, hold on, just hide. Someday I'm coming back. Hold on to heaven. No, God's kingdom comes from heaven to earth and transforms things in this world in the here and now. God is bringing heaven to earth through Jesus, and now through the Holy Spirit, being through Jesus' followers. And Jesus taught this prayer to His disciples, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we're going to be gathering tonight in person here. We're going to be praying, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Woo! What an incredible prayer. Because what are we asking for? We're asking for this in just a simple definition of the kingdom of God. It's God's rule set up in the lives of his people, by the Holy Spirit. And that's why there's this connection between Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God, verse 3, and you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus is connecting those two things together. Jesus, anointed with the Holy Spirit, brought the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God's rule set up in God's people by the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit are connected. And of course, we're asking, when will all this happen? Is it a long way off in the future? And in one sense, yes, it is. There's a not yet part of the kingdom, but there is a now element. And you've heard us talk about the kingdom of God before. It's the now and the not yet. That's the yes, the kingdom of God is now, and the well, no, because there's a not yet that's coming. And in the now element, Jesus says this. Look, I'm warning you. Don't be worried about the exact timetable of God's calendar, about when all these things are going to happen. The now element is about the kingdom of God, and this is what we're to focus on. You, as Christ's followers, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you are to be my witnesses, and he says, from here in Jerusalem, where they physically were at the time, to the ends of the earth. So let's just focus on a couple of these things from verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In verse 7, we see this, that God has all authority, and God is the one who authorizes authority. So this is good news for us in our culture right now, both in New Brunswick, Canada, United States, and the world that we live in. No human, in whatever task or role, has ultimate authority. Only God has all authority. And what God's people are promised is power. And the word used here is dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. We need dynamite power, just as Jesus' first followers did if we're to be his witnesses. You know what, folks? We're so encouraged, and Mark used Peter as the example last week. I am so thankful that God gives us his dynamite power because I'll be honest, I ain't got much to give. And in our culture, it's really popular, and I understand why we do it to do hashtag FrederictonStrong, hashtag everything strong. You know what my hashtag is? Joe Crummy is weak. You know what? It's not a very, very popular hashtag. Hashtag weakness. Doesn't get used very much on Twitter, does it? But hallelujah. You know what? This should give hope for all of us. Because you can think, well, if I'm an Olympic athlete, if I'm, you know, only sort of the superstars are going to be the ones for God's kingdom. Hallelujah. We are all qualified through Jesus Christ. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us to be witnesses. Folks, just think about that for a minute. That's good news. Because none of us are disqualified. No matter how weak we think we are actually, our weakness in some ways actually helps us. Because we realize our great need. And Jesus talked about the promise of the Father that God would come and live inside of His followers by His Holy Spirit in order to be like Jesus and to do the things of Jesus by God's own indwelling power. Folks, that is good news this morning. And we're saying, as we're going through this book of Acts, that's all for the glory of God and for the good of this city. And the next chapter of Acts, we're going to take a look at in chapter 2, what that power is going to look like. Well, hold on. We'll leave you a bit of a cliffhanger for that one. Second, we're to receive power, that dynamite power. Why? In order to be witnesses. And what does that mean? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In the resurrection, Jesus being raised from the dead, and the ascension, which we're just going to see in verse 9, which is about to happen, says Jesus is taken up before their very eyes. Jesus is indeed being enthroned as Israel's Messiah and the King of the whole world. Folks, Jesus has conquered, and I say this every time, but we're going to go over it again and again, and again, Jesus has conquered His enemies. Jesus has conquered sin. Jesus has conquered the power of sin, that power that we get through Adam and Eve sinning that's carried on through our creation, that power that wants us to rebel against God, that power that wants us to be selfish, that power that makes us want to do all the things We know we don't even want to do, but yet we seem to do them. That's the power of sin. It's powerful. Jesus, through his birth to a virgin, we sang about this morning, a unique birth, born of Mary, born of humanity, but also conceived by the Holy Spirit, unique. He broke the power of sin. He destroyed death, which affects all of us. His death on the cross, but then his resurrection from the dead. He defeated death, and Satan was behind it all, and Satan's powerful. We don't want to be afraid of Satan, but we got to recognize we have a real enemy alive in this world who wants to rob, kill, and destroy, and he deceives, and he tempts, and he rebels against God, and he blinds us from God. And Jesus through his death on the cross and his resurrection. And Ben read it out from Colossians 1 this morning. Jesus is supreme. Jesus has the preeminence. Jesus is victor over sin and death and Satan. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. And Ben even quoted this when he was praying or someone did this morning that we just saw from Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 that Jesus is the one that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of the Father. We have to understand again the context of this first sort of century world, that when someone was enthroned as king, the new authority would proclaim through heralds and messengers going out throughout the territory with this good news, we have a king. And these herald messengers would go off to the far reaches of the kingdom to announce the rightful king and to demand allegiance from the subjects. And this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples and to us today. That we are going about saying there is a king. There's good news. There's a king. And in I can imagine Jesus in his patience because his disciples are saying, are we there yet? Is the kingdom coming? And in one sense, Jesus is saying, it's already happened. Jesus is saying, because of my own birth and life and death and resurrection, I have been exalted as Israel's representative and for the whole world. It's already happened. I am king. The kingdom of God is here now. But Yet in another sense, it's yet to happen, The not yet because we still wait for the time when the whole world is visibly and clearly living under God's just and righteous and healing rule. And I think we could all say this morning that we are living in the not yet as well, that we are living between these two points in history, that Jesus' resurrection now, yet, not yet, that Jesus is coming again. John Stott, Mark quoted quoted him last week. I'll quote him this week. says this in his commentary on the book of Acts. Christ's followers were both to announce what Jesus had achieved at his first coming, which is what we're talking about, his life, death, and resurrection, and to summon people to repent, that is to turn to God, and believe in preparation for his second coming. Jesus is coming again. And the apostles and us today are to go out as messengers and witnesses not of someone who may someday be king at some point in the future, but of the one who has already been appointed in a throne. Jesus is king now. Jesus is ruling and reigning. Jesus has the preeminence and the supremacy. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us to be these witnesses. And the last thing we notice from this passage in verse 8, which will help us read the rest of the book, Jesus gives an agenda. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses. And then he kind of gives a table of contents. So for those of us who like to be organized, whew, we have a table of contents. He says this, you're to go to Jerusalem first, and if we look at the book of Acts, we're going to see that. Chapters 1 to 7 are all about going to Jerusalem. And then he says this, I want you to go to Judea, the surrounding countryside in Samaria, which is, gets pretty uh, politically heated, because they're the really hate it semi-foreigners just next door. But in chapter 8, we're going to see all of that take place. The gospel goes to Judea and Samaria. And we're going to see from chapter 9 onwards to the end of the book, this message goes to the ends of the earth. And folks, today, and this is what we we're saying as we've been opening up the book of Acts, we as Christ's followers extend the kingdom of God through our lives, by receiving the Holy Spirit, and we're to go to our Jerusalem. Who's our Jerusalem? Our neighbors. Here in Devon and wherever we live, we're to bring the kingdom of God to our neighbors and our neighborhoods. We're to bring the kingdom of God to Judea and Samaria, to our networks that we're involved in, all the different areas of life that we're involved in, at work and at school, family, through our recreation things. There's so many different ways that we are connected to those around us, and we're to bring the kingdom of God in our lives to the nations. And as we've seen, the nations are here in Fredericton, and we're to go to the nations. What Jesus said to His apostles and to His disciples in Acts has an application for us here today, 2,000 years later. And if Christ's followers hadn't have obeyed Jesus, we wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And sometimes in our prayers, we're crying out, aren't we? God, we see all the injustice. We see all the hurt. We see all the things that are wrong. And we're like, God, when's your kingdom coming? And God's answer is, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. And the kingdom of God, as we see in the Bible, it's kind of like this. It's always gradually growing. It's always gradually expanding. We see that in the parables that Jesus talked. The kingdom of God's like a mustard seed it starts so small. But over time, it's this incredible tree that even the birds come and land. The kingdom of God. And sometimes you might feel like this in your life right now. I don't, I don't you know, it's maybe the kingdom of God just feels like this. The kingdom of God gradually expands. And grows and we see that from acts 1 to today and tomorrow there's a now element heaven coming to earth through christ's followers the rule and reign of god in our lives and folks and we'll teach this out over the next few months the kingdom of god affects every aspect of our lives it affects our values it affects our attitudes It affects our words and our deeds, our decision-making. It affects our priorities. Being a part and a citizen of the kingdom of God and having a kingdom mindset and a kingdom lifestyle affects every aspect of our lives. And that's why we so need the Holy Spirit. Because the world's way of doing things is so powerful. Satan's temptation is so powerful to do it without God. We need the Holy Spirit in order to live an alternate lifestyle that says, We're going to live the kingdom of God now. Folks, we have to understand, part of being a Christian is where is our allegiance? Which king are we following? Where is our allegiance? The Holy Spirit is given to help us and to enable us to say we're aligned with King Jesus. That's the journey we're on. And here's the amazing thing, and I've seen this happen with our kids. We can be on a trip And we can be going, and it's like, when are we there? How much longer? And then you hit a spot in the trip that's so fascinating and so interesting and so incredible. It could be driving through Toronto, and there's so much to see. It could be the scenery around us in nature. And all of a sudden, the questions are stopped because we're all so fascinated with the journey we're on We don't really care when we're going to get there. We're all about, we're caught up in something that grabs our attention, that changes our priorities. And folks, that's what God wants to get us caught up on. Not so much, when's this going to happen and we're complaining about this. We want to be caught up in this journey that we go, we're a part of God bringing in his kingdom through each one of us through you at school, homeschool, in your neighborhood, wherever you go. God wants to bring His kingdom through you. Jesus is already appointed and enthroned as the world's one true king. And the Spirit of God makes the rule of God a living and present reality to His people. And one day that kingdom will come, yes, fully and finally, and we'll be like, hallelujah! (laughs) But in the meantime, folks, we're part of a journey we're part of a venture that god has for us so in closing yes we have lots of questions about god and life are we there yet but i want to remind us this morning i believe god wants to remind us this morning don't miss out on the now of god's kingdom his rule being lived out in his people come and join jesus the one true king receive his spirit over and over again receive power dynamite power to be able to be his witnesses today even let's receive again let's be a witness in our neighborhood in our na- with our neighbors in our networks to the nations for the glory of god and for the good of this city that's what we're asking and what we're praying for let me pray and i'm going to ask the team to come and we're going to declare a song about jesus if you're able why don't you stand i just want to pray for us if you're watching it online i want to pray for you Lord Jesus, this morning we just declare that you are the true, one true king, that you're ruling and reigning in heaven, and that heaven is more and more changing earth. And Lord, I pray this morning for every person here, for every person watching online, Lord, I pray that you would capture and arrest our attention, our minds, our affections, our devotion, that Lord, we wouldn't miss out Lord, in living our lives, Lord, just for the n- now in a worldly sort of way, God, that we'd be caught up in, Lord, my life counts, that, Lord, you want to bring in the kingdom of God through me and this church for your glory and for our good and for the good of those around us, God, we pray. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.